Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. And I want to look at something that really God put on my heart. I've called this message uh, Forefathers. And a, and a forefather is someone that's uh, an ancestor. So it's an ancestral look at fatherhood. But I want to hear from forefathers. So in forefathers, F-O-R-E, if I'm going to confuse you or not, I don't know. But uh, with, with hearing from these forefathers, we're going to pick four fathers, and that's what I've called this sermon is forefathers, F-O-R-E, but we're going to hear from forefathers, F-O-U-R, who are, who are forefathers, which means they have ancestry that still wants to speak today. So we're going to look at four of those. And these fathers, again, they, they, they speak to us even today through the corridors of time, but they also give a different perspective, a different vantage point, if you will, on fatherhood that I really believe is going to bless all of us and particularly focusing in on our fathers this morning. Really want you to walk out of here, Dad, with something, a, a big takeaway this morning as we hear from these four, F-O-U-R, fathers. And uh, the first father that I, wanna, I want us to look at, the first identity is the father of lies. You think, that's not a good way to start this thing off, you know, looking at the devil. He's called the father of lies over in John chapter 8. And, and Jesus is addressing these Pharisees, these religious people. And he says, look, I, I come from my father. And he's, he's talking about his father, bragging on his father. And then they're like, well, who's your father? We don't see your father. In fact, Jesus' uh, father, Joseph, really doesn't get a mention past his birth and the manger scene and all of that, what we celebrate Christmas, it's kind of like he disappears, and then it's Mary. So we don't know, and history doesn't record what happened to Joseph, whether he died. I don't believe he divorced Mary, but uh, something happened. He's not really talked about uh, after Christmas time or the birth of Jesus. But, but Jesus then says, my father... And he starts to brag about his father. He says, I don't even do anything except I see my father do it. And these religious people go, well, who's your father? And so he starts to, as Jesus does, he starts to kind of talk, parable talk, mysterious talk. They don't get it. And then he nails them with this in John chapter 8, 44. Listen to this. But you belong to your father, the devil. I like Jesus, man. He just, this is cut to the chase. He's not PC. He's not, he's not, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. You're of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. Here's their father. He was a murderer from the beginning. <laughs> this is a good heritage. Not holding the truth. For there is no truth in him, not even a little bit. Oh, and when he lies. Have you ever met a really good liar? I've known some really good liars in my time. I met a guy once in an apartment complex in San Diego where I used to live. And this guy was always shooting pool down in the rec recreation center. And it was a big complex. 
And uh, I thought, I wonder what he does, because every time I come down here, he's shooting pool. Never appeared to have a job. So I said to this guy, I said, what do you do for a living? And he was from the southern part of America, and he said, uh, with a southern kind of accent, he goes, I'm a liar. You're a what? Uh, I'm a liar. I'm like, you're a liar? Like, is that what you do for a living? He goes, yeah, I tell lies. <laughs> I'm like, fill me in on this. This is a vocation. I've heard of accountants and builders and, you know, electricians and lawyers. He's a liar. This is what the guy does for a living. He lies. He scams the government. He scams people. And he's a liar. And he's shooting pool. And I said, aren't you afraid of getting caught? And he says, no. I write my lies down. I keep a record of my lies. <laughs> like, so there's no contradiction. When he tells a lie, he writes it down. Now, don't do that. If there's anybody that's young and, and impressionable here this morning, do not become a professional liar. Not a good thing. But these people were liars. It says, not holding the truth, Jesus says, when he lies, he speaks his native language. Talking about the devil. For he is a liar, and get this, the father of lies. Wow, the ultimate liar who invented lying. Father means often it's, it's referred to as author. It means the author or the, the one that originated something. He authored the art of telling lies, there is no truth in him. So you'd say, well, why are you looking at him as the first father? The ancestral voice of that liar still speaks today. And what does he say to you, fathers? You're not cutting it. You're not good enough. You stuffed it up. You didn't do a good job. Look at your kids. They're not following God. They didn't make it. You are a, you are. Uh, 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 a professional stuff up, Dad. That's what his voice would say. And then he lies to your children. He tells them really nice things like, you're ugly. Your identity is trash. There is no God. Just totally putting something into their minds that will determine their future that is totally not a lie, not, not truth rather, but a total lie. Why do we even have to think about him or give him any airtime? And the reason is because God actually made you in his image, including all of your children. And God wants to fill your mind with good things, with true things, with encouraging words, with all, you know, I'm for you. We, we heard Psalm 103, you know, for, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, forget not all his benefits, who heals all your diseases, who, who redeems your life from destruction. That's the truth, not the other stuff. And as a father, we need to believe what God says about us, not the lies that the father of lies tells about us. And we need to believe what God says about our children, and we need to speak the truth about our kids. We need to make sure that they understand the truth is God before you. The truth is that God wants you to have a great future. The truth is that God is encouraging you, not discouraging you. The truth is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, don't ever say that you are junk. Don't ever look in the mirror and say, God did a rotten job with me. And all the voices that would lie to you out of your past when you make mistakes, if your child believes the lies, your child will never become the person 
that God intended them to be. But if you believe the lie as a parent, you'll never become the parent that God wants you to be. I know as a, as a father, I, I made some massive mistakes fathering. Because, I mean, who knows what they're doing when you start off. It's like, okay, I'll try this and see if that works. Nope, that didn't work. And then you get some advice and read some books. And, you know, you, you, you're kind of steering your way through unknown on, on ground. It's, it's, sometimes, it's really, really hard. And you do make mistakes. But the truth is, God doesn't want you to father by yourself. God wants you to father with him. In the Bible, there's a, a man named Moses, and he was the deliverer of uh, the nation of Israel out of a place called Egypt. Now, Egypt is a type of sin, and Egypt was run by a very famous family, that, that not just one, but many, many pharaohs. And, and Pharaoh is a type, if you will, he's the ruler of a, a type of sin called Egypt. He, he is in essence, a personification of the father of lies. In fact, Pharaoh, oh, Ra is light. He was, the, he was the sun god. They worshiped Pharaoh as if he was God. They thought he was deity. And so Pharaoh, when Moses is there, Moses uh, is, is young, he's born, and three months later, they're killing all the children. There was an edict that went out from Pharaoh to kill all the babies. And Pharaoh's parents hide him, and then they have to release him into a, a basket, and you know that. He floats down the Nile, and it's, uh, it's uh, Pharaoh's daughter picks him up, and they raise him in Pharaoh's house. And I would say this, don't let Pharaoh be your father. The father of lies is no one to raise your children. You have to, fathers, you listening to me, you have to protect your children. Do not let Pharaoh father your kids. He is not to father your kids. You are to father your kids. And if you don't father your children, who's going to do it? If you don't raise your kids, guess what? Pharaoh's right there. I'll, I'll raise, don't, yeah, don't worry, but it's too much work. Just go down to the pub or do whatever. Get busy with your job. I'll take care of the kids, thank you. I know how to raise children. I've been doing it for thousands of years. Who would turn their children over to somebody that was a liar, especially somebody that fathered lying? Who would do such a thing? Well, nobody that's following God, obviously. And so Pharaoh would love to father your children, but do not let him father your children. Do not let him. Don't let him teach you how to parent either. Don't learn parenting from the father of lies. Don't let Pharaoh present his, his garbage. Uh, number two, second perspective, number two or second father, if you will, that wants to give a perspective is uh, the father of prodigals. Now, you might or might not be familiar with the parable that Jesus gave in Luke chapter 15. We call it the prodigal son, the pro pro parable of the prodigal son. And prodigal means wasteful. This kid said, hey, give me my inheritance. And he runs out and he squanders it all on riotous living. He's, he's going to party. He's just going to have some fun with with his inheritance, got that early. He goes out, screws up, starts eating pig slop, 
And then it says, he, when he came to himself, he said, I've got to go back to my father. Now, I love the fact that he would even think that he could go back to his father after doing something like that. And that's a challenge for fathers that when your children do stuff it up and they do the prodigal thing and they just don't walk, they don't toe the line and, you know, they might do something with the family car or, or give the family name a bad reputation or whatever it is. I'd like to think that you love your kids enough that they know when they come to their right mind, because every one of us probably at some point during teenagehood loses our mind, especially young boys. They don't have a frontal lobe. I'm told they just go. That's why they'll jump off really high cliffs and not even think about it. It's like, ah, you know, now once the, once the frontal lobe gets there, you, you walk up to the edge of the cliff, you go, no way, that's a stupid idea. Well, they don't have that. That, that, that's not there. That filter is just isn't there. And, and so this young guy goes out. He says, I'm no longer worthy to even be called a son. But while he's still a long way off, I love this, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. Oh, I love that. Dad, don't ever be afraid to kiss your sons and your daughters. That's not weird. It's affectionate. Give him a hug. Show affection. Be a real man. Saw him filled with compassion. He ran, kisses him. And then the son says to him, Father, and I like the fact that he called him Father. He didn't trip over that. He, he knew that his father loved him unconditionally. And, and, and he says, I'm not worthy. But the father said to him, Quick! <laughs> Bring the best robe, put it on him. The kid smells with pig slop. He's been feeding swine, eating pig slop. Put the best robe, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf, kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. This son of mine was dead, and now he's alive again. Let's celebrate. My boy has come back. That's the compassion of a father's heart. Don't you love it? That's the prodigal's father. But the question is, with each of these four perspectives, there's actually two perspectives. So in other words, we're going to have eight perspectives here. And one of them is your perspective as a father of a prodigal that goes out and blows it and stuffs up and wastes everything. But the other one is the perspective when you blow it and you mess up as the father. When you didn't get it right, with the kids. I remember one holiday, and I, I was going through a very stressful time with the church at the time, and we're talking probably uh, 17 years ago. I've been doing this a long time. <sighs> and most of the stressful situations in pastoring, they're spelled P-E-O-P-L-E. -E. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, the building and paying the bills, piece of cake. It's people, trash talking, you know, attitudes, all that stuff. Went away for a holiday and still carrying all, all of that frustration. And my son was about 10 at the time. We're in paradise. We're at Great Keppel Island. It was my son's 10th birthday, I think it was. And, and dad, dad lost it, just totally lost it. Just got, you know, angry. 
unjustified anger, just emotions caught up with me. And, uh, you know, it was anything but a celebration of the little boy's birthday. I felt like dog meat warmed over. Like I was, you know, I felt really, really bad. But you know what I did years later when I came to myself? I apologized to my son. When he was old enough to receive it, I said to him, son, do you remember your 10th birthday? And he goes, yeah. And I says, I am really, really sorry for what I did and what I was going through. I'm not going to justify it. I'm not making excuses. There is, no, there is no excuse. But I was an emotional wreck, and I didn't handle it right. Would you forgive me? Absolutely, Dad. Big hug. Just, just a wonderful thing. I think it's a wonderful quality when you mess up and you're the prodigal father, so to speak, that you can pull it together and have the humility to say sorry. Sorry to your wife, sorry to your son, your daughter, whoever it is that you've messed up. There is something in the Bible called forgiveness that we all need to embrace. We need to exhibit uh, compassion on ourselves as well when we mess up. Are we there for them? Yes. But when you mess up, let your Heavenly Father be there for you. Come back to the Father, Dad, if you've messed it up. And sometimes we have. Our kids are older. They're growing up. they got their own kids. We think, oh, you know, if only. Well, you can't if only it. You can't go back in time. Sorry about that. Spoil, spoiler alert. There's no time travel that's going to happen. You can't go back. I can't go back in time to that. 10th birthday, but what I can do is pick it up and say, hey, I'm really, really sorry. So what's your perspective on that? You got to forgive yourself. Number three, third father. I like this. I thought this was clever of me. Third father, father of the bride. Did anybody watch father of the bride? Steve Martin. Okay. Man, you can admit it. He cried. Father of the bride too. Yes, there was a second one. It wasn't as good as the first one. <laughs> but what are you doing with your heavenly father? Because I don't believe you can father properly with the biological children and be a biological father if you don't have a great relationship with your heavenly father. Now, what does that look like? It looks like this four-letter word, P-R-A-Y, prayer, or pray. <laughs> Prayer is the language of humility. It's like, I'm not, I'm not that smart. I need God. And God doesn't want you to parent alone. God wants you fully dependent on him. When you start to come into your own right, you think you don't need God to parent, oh, you've, you've reached a very dangerous place. I am so dependent on God. And prayer is the language of humility. Humble yourself, therefore, 1 Peter 5, 7, I think it is. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. How? Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. It says he will exalt you in due time. When you humble yourself and pray, when you release the worries and the cares of this thing, when you go, I'm not that crash hot. God, I need you to come into this situation as I'm raising this kid. I don't know what to do. Now that they're a teenager, teenager and their voice is cracking, things have changed. They used to be so submissive as a child. Now everything I say, they don't agree with it. That's just common. What do I do? 
They got their own way now. What am I going to do? You're going to pray. You're going to get on your knees. It's a language of dependence on God. And speak to your children. When I pray, I get a word from God. I still get words of, uh, from God for our son. I go to God. I get a word from God. And then what do I do? I speak that into his life. What is that called? It's called prophecy. All above all the gifts, covet these gifts, it says, especially it says that you may prophesy. But you've got to get something from God to speak that out and let it be prophetic as it goes into that child's life. Prophecy is saying what you see. I like with Moses, again, Moses, it says this about him in Hebrews eleven twenty three. 23. It says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. Why? I love this next bit. They saw. What do you see in your children? They saw he was no ordinary child. Do you know there's no such thing as an ordinary child? Every single child is extraordinary, specially ordered from God, designed by the maker himself before the foundation of the world, fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no ordinary child, but guess what? There's no ordinary parent either. Ah, oh, just an ordinary father that tells bad dad jokes. No, you are extraordinary, dad. They saw that he was no ordinary child. They were not afraid of the king's edict. They saw. What do you see in your children? What does God see in you? There's no such thing as ordinary. So start to see the extraordinary and then speak out what you see into that child's life. Prophesy into your child's life. Prophesy into your family, Father. Go to God. Go to the Father of the bride. He is our Father who art in heaven and get something from him. See something from him and speak that into their life. It's so powerful, but it's so rare nowadays. Number four, Number four, the father of faith. The fourth perspective. I'm going to look at uh, Galatians 3, 6, and then we'll uh, land it with this one. Abraham. Abraham is one of the patriarchs. Abraham is the father of faith, it says. Our father of faith. Believe God. And the substance of his faith released God's righteousness to him. So the true children of Abraham have the same faith as their father. And the scripture prophesied, that's what it wants to do today, that on the basis of faith, God would declare Gentiles to be righteous. God announced the good news ahead of time to Abraham. Through your faith, your example of faith, all the nations will be blessed. That's why our, our vision is to grace the nations. Grace is blessing. It's raising generations, gracing nations. That's our vision. Where does it come from? All the way back to Abraham, a patriarch. Through your example of faith, all the nations will be blessed so that the blessing of Abraham's faith is now our blessing too. So Abraham did something. He fathered something, he authored something called faith. Now, faith, it says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, is the substance of things hoped for. As a father of faith, I bring hope 
into hopeless situations because you cannot have faith without hope. Faith embraces hope. And what faith does is it creates the future. Your faith right now is creating your future. And your faith right now is also creating the future of your children. Us humans have an incredible capacity, but we also have an incredible responsibility. Because out of all the other animals and out of all of God's creation, we can actually dictate the future terms for the whole planet. The other creatures are, are dependent upon us. We just recently had uh, someone's dog. We were sitting their dog and fell in love with the dog, and the dog fell in love with us, and it was wonderful. But the dog needed us to take it for a walk. The doors were locked for the dog's protection. The dog needed my wife to feed the dog, to look after the dog. That, that creature was not able to do <laughs> what humans can do. And, and as a father of faith, you have the ability to create your child's future in a big way by exercising your faith and speaking into their future the substance of these things hoped for. You create futures, Father, but we mess that up, we pay up. Everybody pays a price for that. We have the privilege and the responsibility to create a bright future for our children. So use your faith. Abraham was the father of this. Uh, he was a patriarch, which means the male founder of a family. And all of us dads are founders. We are, in effect, a patriarch of a family. We are fathering something. And the question is, what are you founding or establishing right now in your children and in your family? Because you are a founder. You're establishing something. You're setting up the future for your children a patriarch, a founding father, a father of faith, leaves something behind. Abraham, we're still talking about Abraham. The Jews still refer to him as their father. He's still the father of faith. All of these generations from that time until now still give homage, pay homage to Abraham. And that homage that what Abraham left, that perspective of fatherhood as the fourth father this morning is called legacy. He left a legacy in the earth. He deposited something that still speaks way after his death. What is it, fathers, that you're going to leave? As you deposit something into your seed's seed, as you put a seed into the seed called your children, you deposit something into them, you are leaving a legacy so that when you're long gone, that legacy lives on. I want to leave you with that, and I'd like our uh, worship team to come up. But this morning, um, I want us to pray. I'm going to pray for those that don't know Jesus first. I always do that. I love that. I like the fact that, that we get to post online, so make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel because this message and other messages and our podcast, uh, they have a shelf life that's really not, not limited. And in that shelf life is, is a prayer, and it's going to go something like this. I give my heart to you, God. I Ask Jesus into my heart. 
And so if you're watching or listening or you're here in any respect, I want to pray for you. And you know, this might be weeks after this message was given, but God's timeless. He will operate through time. He'll speak to your heart. So my only question is, where are you with God? Are you far away from Him? Or are you close to Him? Have you given your heart to Him? If not, why not? Well, I've got some questions. You'll always have questions, friends. And you should have questions. Questions are really good. God loves it. The one thing God doesn't like is apathy. You can't do anything with that apathetic person that just doesn't give a rip about anything. Well, can't do anything with that. But if you got questions, that's a good thing. You're alive. And God will answer those questions in due time. So you're always going to have questions. Oh, but I've got sin in my life. Well, you're going to have sin in your life the rest of your life as well. Sin just means miss the mark. So being human means you're always going to miss the perfect bullseye. So there's no point in deleting God for that because he's called Savior, not condemner. came in to save. So he's there for you to save you from mainly yourself and sin in your heart. He's the only one that can do that, give you a spiritual heart transplant. So I wonder right now, if you're serious, if you just bow your head and just have a moment with God, this is not a formula, it's just a heartfelt prayer. It's pretty simple, because salvation is simple. It's not complicated, it's a gift. Somebody said if you could put, uh, spell it out, what God did in, in one word, it wouldn't be D-O, as in what I've got to do. It'd be D-O-N-E, it's what he's done. It's just that simple. He did it. Just receive it like you would a gift. We're going to ask God in, into our hearts. So right now, if that's you and you want to do that, just pray this prayer after me, simple prayer. Make it from the heart. You don't need to theologically work it all out. Just say, dear God, I accept Jesus into my heart. Thank you for giving me a new life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.